So today we're going to be closing out our series that we've been doing about the church. And I'm going to see, you know, how much you guys have been paying attention because there's going to be some requirement for participation. Now, if this is your first time, that's okay. You haven't, you're excused, but everybody else has been here, you know, we're going we're to find out. And so when I started working on this series, it, it started off as just one message, which was the first one that I did was about worship when I first came, over, came uh, to visit here. And that's all I really had for it. But the more I began to put it together, it came out of what God had given me about what the church should devote themselves to and spend time to when it comes to uh, their, our relationship with God. And so we spent the first several, well, we spent several weeks in the book of Acts, which is Acts chapter 2, where we looked at the church and the way in the coming of the Holy Spirit, first off, and then we looked at the new believers, which was 3,000 new believers, and then we looked at, well, now that they had 3,000 believers, what they had to do with 3,000 believers, because these 3,000 were brand new to Christian faith. They didn't have a relationship with, uh, with Jesus like the disciples did, and so they had to uh, teach them what they had learned from Christ. And so we looked at Acts chapter 2, which tells us that they devoted themselves to God's word, to fellowship, to breaking of the bread, and they did all these different things together. And so if you have been here last couple of weeks, we covered uh, several, several things. So I want to see who remembers what some of those things are. <laughs> yep, that's the most recent one. Yeah, good job. <laughs> uh, anybody else remember some of the other ones that we covered? Yep, prayer, service, any others? Fellowship. Yeah, anyone else? Goodness, goodness. what is going on here? <laughs> there is. I told Ryan on purpose. I was like, hey, don't put that up yet. <laughs> I want to see how many people actually remember before you throw that up there. <laughs> the week before last, we talked about devoting ourselves to God's word, which was one of them. You can go ahead and put the slide up. You give them the cheat sheet. <laughs> now, so we talked, um, we've talked about worship. We've talked about prayer, fellowship, being mission-minded, making disciples, serving, and also God's Word. All these things are important, and all these things we see in that chapter, in that book of Acts. One of the things I like to do is I like to ask questions of myself, especially when I'm putting together messages. I ask questions to kind of help me process and, and think through uh, what's what I need to know or learn to the pastors. And one of the questions that I found myself asking is, you know, how were the disciples and all those believers able to devote themselves to every single one of those things? Because they were all new to the faith, which means there were no distractions and so they were able to devote themselves completely to all these things. Now, Granted, they also had the power of the Holy Spirit to help them through that. 
And so the first thing that they had to have was the, to develop their relationship with God. And so in order for us to be able to do all these things, we have to first devote ourselves to God. In all these things, he will help us, uh, get, he'll help us with. He'll help us with uh, being able to stay on mission. He'll help us with when it comes to studying the word. He'll help us with, pray, with being faithful in prayer, being faithful to fellowship, being faithful to serve. One of the things I like about how God does things is sometimes it, where he, we do something that kind of goes well, really well with the message that I'm about to do. The first time was when we did the going away uh, thing for uh, Willie and Ada, which was a part of our fellowship. But that message for fellowship I had already had planned before we even talked about the event. And so that actually felt right in line with what we were going to be talking about this on the Sunday. And then, of course, yesterday, uh, well, the week before, we talked about serving, and then we got a chance to serve yesterday. But at the same time, what we saw was our people coming together to make this happen because, to be honest, I could not have done any of that by myself. It would have probably taken me the full four hours just to get things set up. But because we had people helping with different areas, we were able to get that done. Why? Because we, we knew what our goal was. We knew what the mission was for this event. And so we came together as a body of believer and says, okay, I can do this, I can do this. And we put that together to make it work. And so we were united in the fact that we wanted to see, we wanted to do something to serve our community. We wanted to do something to reach out to our community. And so the driving force that keeps us together, first and foremost, will always be Jesus. There's no other way about it. It will always be Jesus because it is our love for him that helps us be united in our desires to serve desires to pray, and our desires to do more than just be in the building. But one of the things as well that we also have to realize is that as believers, especially in the Old Testament, became believers, and as the gospel began to spread from the Jews to the Gentiles, what you have is you're going to find conflict. Because people have things that they like to do and things that they're used to, traditions that they're used to, that doesn't always line up. And so when you have the Jews who are used to uh, doing things a certain way and then the Gentiles who did not grow up in Jewish tradition or culture coming together, if Christ is not at the middle, in the center of it, then what you have is a conflict over how they should do things, how they should worship, how they should... Uh, go about teaching the gospel, how they should reach out to people. And, you know, that's not uncommon even today in churches where you can't agree on how to do things. And so going through these last couple of weeks of going through this series is, I believe, is God reminding us of what's important. Reminding us that we are to devote ourselves to him first. And then we devote ourselves to, the, to his word by spending time in the word. We devote ourselves to prayer because without prayer, I, most, a lot of the things that we do won't be as successful. And I don't mean successful in terms of numerically. I mean successful in terms of 
being pleasing to God because you can do a lot of events, a lot of things that will be successful. But if God is not, if we're not doing it for God, it's just that. It's another event that we do. And so I remember, and so as I looked at this, one of the things I realized and I've learned over, from reading our scripture is that because there are so many conflicts that happened between those churches, Paul had to write letters to the churches to help them, to remind them of why it's important, why they gather, and how to conduct themselves and all these different things. And that's why we have so many letters in the Bible by Paul. And one of the ones that we'll be looking at today is going to be in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians uh, chapter 4. See, like-minded people tends to gravitate towards one another because we look for people who share in our common goal, who see things the way we do and uh, who will more than likely agree with everything that we say sometimes. And unfortunately, you'll find that in the church too. You gravitate towards the people that you get along with the most. And so, what, it, what makes us different? What are we as a church being called to be? You see, before we accepted this position about I think it was back in 2019, uh, as I was serving as an assistant pastor at the church in Zephyr Hills, God began to work in us and give us a vision for what church should look like. And so when we begin to basically ask God, well, what does that mean? You know, what does that look like? And uh, basically one of the things that he made clear was the space where we were at the time was that vision was not for that place. And that's hard because then he began to give me different things of what it looks like. And I'm like, if it's not for here, then where is it for? And that was three years ago. And, we sp- and we, I served there until 2020, I think it was, 21. And still, it was difficult because God was putting something inside of me that I was becoming pa- passionate about. But at the same time... I was under the authority of a different leader, and so I had to follow their vision. And I didn't have any issues with that, but I remember having arguments with God, like, God, why are you giving this to me now if you don't want me to do anything with it yet? I don't know about you, but I, when God gives me something, I want to be able to do something about it and do something with it, but sometimes he makes you wait a little bit because he's growing you to get you ready for whatever that is. And so the mission and the vision that he gave us at the time, it was before all the turmoils with the racial injustice and all these different things that were happening. And he gave us a vision for, to be a multi-ethnic church. A vision, not just multi-ethnic, but to be multi-generational. That means we're going to, you know, all ages. Multi-economic, doesn't matter what you make where you are in life, he wants you. And so we begin to ask him, you know, well, what does that even mean? (laughs) You know, you can say you want to be multi-ethnic, but what does that actually mean? 
Because you can have multiple people gathered together and yet still not be actually together. Because you're just gathering to come to church and then after service is over, you just scatter and you never see each other again. And so the way that he, gave, he put it was to, to bridge the gap between people and Christ. And then reminding us that Jesus is the one that bridges the gap between people and God. So in other words, it's not going to be something that we'll be able to do by our, only our own effort. We're going to need to rely on him, rely on the spirit to be able to do this. And this is not something that's going to happen, you know, in a year or two. Because let's be real, it takes a while to get to know people. It takes a while to get to a point where you feel comfortable to share more than just a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever other day of the week or even just an event. But to vision for multi-ethnic, multi-generational means that Everything we do has to reflect that. The way we worship has to reflect that. The way we interact with one another has to reflect that. The things we, the ministries that we do has to reflect all of those things. And that means we have to be purposeful in pursuing that. And I know this is not, from, is not anything of me because on my own I know I could not do any of that. While our vision is to be multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-economic, it is still our mission to love God and love others. And so in order to love God and love others, well, if you're going to love people, that means you have to love everyone, no matter the age group, no matter the skin color, and so that means we have to be intentional in all of those things that we do. And so I'm not going to go any further into that today, but next week we're going to start a new series called Bridging the Gap where we're going to talk about those different things, looking at what that looks like to bridge the gap. And so, you know, if you want to hear more about what, what it what it means and what we're going to be trying to do and pursuing, then I'm inviting you to come back the next week or to catch it on, online, whichever way you're able to, to find out what we're doing. And so as we look at today's message to bring it all together, the word that came to mind for this is unity. The church in unity. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it is going to be up there this week. I, 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 was able to, I was feeling much better this week, so I was able to get stuff uh, done, including a PowerPoint. So you can always look up there, but you can also uh, open your Bibles if you have that. Now this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus, and he's telling them, he's speaking to them essentially about unity. And we're going to start at verse 1. It says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Ephesians 4, verse 3 through 6 is where we're going to stay. Is That's where we're going to focus. And we'll be spending a lot of our time here. And so Paul is reminding the Ephesians to be in unity of the Spirit and not of the flesh. So the first point this morning is that unity in the Spirit is not without effort. It takes work. Because our flesh wants to take over. Let's be, if we're being honest, we all have preferences in the type of music that we listen to. We all have preferences in the kind of shows that we watch. We all have preferences in how we like things to happen. But when you pursue something, the vision of multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-everything, what that means is you're going to invite people that are going to have different preferences than you. And you're going to have to learn to put aside your preference for the sake of the gospel. It's not necessarily about pleasing people or making people happy, but making sure that the gospel is preached and is heard. So that will not change, even if we change how we a certain song or we add different style of music, that doesn't mean that we're not that doesn't mean that the gospel message itself is changing because that is the most important part of what we do is the gospel. And so when we put aside our preferences in worship, then we're saying, okay, I see what you like. It may not resonate with me. It may not connect with me on the same level. But God is clearly using it to speak to you. I've shared before that I love worship, and my, you can take it or leave it, but my least favorite type of songs to do are hymns. I just, I can't. <laughs> but the last church that I was at, that was basically what I led, was hymns. And so I learned to worship leading hymns. Not because, you know, it was my favorite thing to do, because I prefer, I have, my preferences is in contemporary music. But I also recognize the history of the hymns that we sing. I recognize the, how well it's connected with people over the years. Even people, I know there's people my age that still enjoy hymns. It's just, it's not, it's not me. I'm not one of those people. But what I had, what I learned to do was I learned to, when I sing and lead a hymn to put aside my personal preference and say, God, you're gonna, you're, I know you're going to use this. Don't let my personal feelings or preference get in the way of what you're trying to do this morning. And it's the same thing with, and then so then I decided to, I, I was leading two different services in worship, and so we had one contemporary and one in, in hymns. And so in the contemporary one, I realized, well, if we were going to, when God gave us this vision and I was trying to figure out, well, what we're supposed to do, I decided, you know, if we, we can't just be focused on one type of uh, contemporary songs. 
because there's a lot of big name groups out there that we utilize, and that's fine. But there's also a lot of different artists out there that we don't even touch. And so I begin looking into gospel songs and learning how to play different songs and by different artists like uh, uh, Jonathan McReynolds, uh, Todd Delaney. That just I've never done a Kirk Franklin song, but I love listening to him and listening to his stuff. And so you learn to put aside your different, different preferences to be able to reach people. And that's what we have to remember is it's not about us because if we're here today, more than likely God's already gotten a hold of us in one way or another. And so if we're going to go reach people that have never been to church or maybe just kind of are curious but don't really know for sure, then we have to put aside our preferences, not our values, because there's a difference. We put aside our preferences, but still hold to the values of the gospel. And so we have to be willing to be flexible. We got a little bit of taste of that yesterday, because we uh, went to grill, and our grill did not go as planned. So then uh, Jonathan had to run and get a different one. So it really uh, put us to the test yesterday. So being flexible is, is uh, not always welcome, but the outcome is always, can always be positive. See, it's easy. It's not, if it was easy to maintain unity, then we wouldn't have had so many wars and divisions over the years. If it was so easy there really wouldn't be too much to talk about when it comes to unity because when you're led by your flesh when it comes to unity, there will be conflicts. But when you're led by the Spirit, it doesn't mean there won't be disagreements, but you put what's important first and foremost above those disagreements. See, that tells us that if we want to see unity within the body of Christ, then we have to do our parts. We have to actually put in our efforts to make, to make those things happen, to actually pursue unity. Sometimes our preferences don't necessarily align with what God wants, and that's what we have to remember is it's not about us. The second point that we're looking at today is we are to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge. And that's in Ephesians uh, 4, verse 11 through 16. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of, God, of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We looked at that reaching unity in the 
faith and in the knowledge, that means we have to actually study our, our Bible. That means we actually have to spend time in the Word, and we have to actually spend time uh, asking God to reveal Himself to us, to show us what we need to know, to help us understand His Word. One of the things that we talked about during, when we talked about devoting ourselves to God's Word is we talked about how all Scripture is, God's, is God-breathed. In other words, we do not take away or add to, to the Word of God. So what that means is you have to actually spend time in the Word to know it for yourself. Sunday can't be the only time that you hear God's Word. You have to devote yourself to it, and you actually have to pursue it, because that's what you're doing. You're pursuing the knowledge of Christ. And there's a reason for that, because he wants us to mature in our faith. He wants us to mature in our knowledge, because when you come across people that have questions for you, especially, say, if you've been a believer for 10, 15 years, and somebody comes up to you and asks you a question about what you believe, and you can't give them an answer, then you have to go back. I'm not saying you can't say, hey, let me get back to you, but there are certain things that you should be able to know for yourself about why you believe that God is the only way. And so the reason we have to know all these things is the first one is that because the body of Christ may be built up. And so that's in verse 12 where it says we are to equip his people for the works of service so that the body may be built up. And if you look at Colossians 3, verse 12 through 17, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful that the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we use our gift things and the things that God's given us to not only reach out to people, but to also build up our fellow believers, to build up people that are around us. And in order for the body to be, that means, you know, if... Paul said that if your gift is to encourage somebody, if you're good at that, then use that and encourage people. If your gift is to teach, use that gift to teach people. If it is to serve, use that gift to serve people. Not for your benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And so we're called to be, in order to build up the body of Christ, we have to, be, we have to use the giftings that we have been given by God. You know, we can all be compassionate. For some of us, it might be harder than others, but that's okay. We can all show kindness to other people. We can all show humility. 
We can all be gentle. We can all be patient. Again, the patience part, you know, sometimes it takes a little extra. But God gives us the ability to be able to do these things. And the next thing is we are to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And, other, and so we have to actually do our part. As I said before, in order to gain knowledge in anything, you have to actually study it. If you want to be a better musician, you have to spend the time to actually practice and, and work on it. You want to be a better singer, you work on it. And if you want to be a better, whatever it may be, you spend time and you devote time to do those things, to get better at it, because eventually you get to a point where you can help somebody else and you can teach somebody else. So it's the same with God's Word. You have to study it for yourself till you get to a point where you can actually disciple somebody else so that you can actually help someone in, a, in what they're doing or even pass along what God has taught you over the years and pass it to somebody else. What he does is he gives us a way, he gives us the ability to see in people what sometimes they don't see in themselves. And so maybe you might notice something on somebody that has a strength for something that may not even realize that they are strong in that area. And that's where giftings like encouragement comes in where you say, hey, you did really good in this. Have you ever thought about continuing to do that or maybe doing more with that? You know, if I had not had people that encouraged me in ministry and encouraged me in the things that I'm able to do now, I don't know that I would keep, have kept doing them. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, their encouragement might look different, looked a little different. Sometimes it was kind of a push or thrown into it. And I grew in it. But at the time, I'll tell you, I can say that I was not happy with being pushed into these different things. But now when I look back at it and I see how God has used me in those areas, even used me to help others in those areas, I, I'm thankful that they saw in me more than what I saw in myself. My love for worship, even though I love it, I enjoyed being in the background. That's the kind of person I am. I didn't want to be in the front. I didn't want to do, I didn't even want, if I could, I used to joke around and said, if we could just put like a, one of those black screens in front of me, I'll just stand behind there and I'll play. <laughs> no one needs to know I'm even there. Because I just didn't like being in front of people and I didn't like the idea of people just, but I learned to recognize that it was a gifting that God had given me to be able to serve him with the way I worship. And so, I don't know what that looks like for you, what that might be, but you do. And if you don't, you can ask God to show you what that might be. Going back to Colossians, starting at verse uh, 10, it talks about being in Christ, who that's where our fullness comes from. The fullness is the completeness that comes with our, from our relationship with Jesus. 
And we spend time looking for ways to do things, looking for things that will please us and fill us or fill a void inside of us. But when we come to know Jesus, he completes us and gives us a fullness that is beyond our understanding that we can't sometimes even put to words or explain to people. And then he may even take something that you thought was just a hobby and uses you through that for his kingdom. We are supposed to grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. That's in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 4. And then we are to, from, and from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, starting at verse 12, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So if we look at ourselves, our group of people here today, we are all part of the body of Christ. And some people might be more of the hand where, you know, you're just out there and you, get, you, you like to get things done. Some people are maybe more the thinkers where you think things through and you get, you're able to plan things and you do these different things. But every part of the body has a function. And so we should, even if we don't know what ours is, we should not just think that we don't have a place in God's kingdom. We should never get to a point where we say, I don't have anything to offer to the kingdom of God. Because if every part does its part, then the body itself is in full and perfect unity. As I said last week, the example of if you walk around with your eyes closed and, you know, even if it's some place that you've been and you walk through over and over again, eventually you're bound to walk into something that you weren't prepared for. See, when all the parts of the body works together towards the same mission, what happens is you have people that sees things that one person did not see to help you discern and make a better decision to make the things happen. Will you always like being corrected? No. I know I don't. I can't, there's not very many people that enjoys being corrected and redirected when you have a set plan and a set mindset of how you want things to happen. But if you're going to work together as a body of believer, that means that you have to be willing to accept help from your fellow believers. That means you have to be willing to first and foremost accept that you do not know everything. And there are pitfalls that you don't see that other people see because they've either had experience in it or they think through things differently than you do, and that's okay. And so that's what, it's gonna, that's what it means when you pursue unity in Christ. It means that I'm willing to rely on my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to help me grow, to help me do what God has called me to do 
to put aside what I would like to see and the way I'd like to see something come together and to make it work for God's kingdom. As I shared next week, we'll be starting a new series where we go deeper about the vision of bridging the gap and what that means. And we're going to look at different things, and you'll hear a lot more about that. And, you know, I'm not coming to you with all the answers because I don't have all the answers. I'm coming to you with what God has shared with me, and I'm relying on you guys to help me get there along with God at the forefront. But not only that, that we would work together to see it happen, but more so that when you see or notice things that maybe are not our pitfalls or things that I don't think of, please don't be afraid to talk to me about them. I, will, I'm a, I take critiques very well. Because if you're going to grow, you have to be willing to accept that there's places you need to grow in. And so if we're going to grow together, that means we have to work together. That means, so I'm, enc I'm encouraging you and giving you full, so you to know that if you see something and you know something that you think we can do or you see we can do better, come talk to me and we'll we will figure it out. I won't shut people down just because, you know, it's not my idea. Because that's not how the body is supposed to work. All I know is what God desires for us as a church. And he will reveal to us what that looks like as we move forward. We just have to be obedient to do what he asks of us. So we have the example of the unity of the Spirit, the Father and the Son together. That's why we talk about the Trinity, three in one. But through our relationship with the Spirit, it gives us open access to have a deeper relationship with the Father and a deeper relationship with the Son. See, I remember when I first started ministry, and I started... Uh, when I started into full-time ministry, I was 19 years old. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't really know what I was doing. But I was given an opportunity. And I remember I was still in school at the time. And I remember going to a, a service that we were doing at my school. And just kind of my focus was probably not where God wanted it to be when it comes to the ministry because I was about to do children's ministry and, you know, I was thinking, well, what can I do to make it successful? What can I do to make, the, to make it better than what it is? And when we think of success, we more often are thinking numerically, not so much in the souls that are being saved in transformation that is happening. And my mindset was in, when I thought at that time was, that's what I was thinking of in terms of growth was, Let's get more kids. Let's get more of this happen. And I remember during that time of worship where uh, God used a friend of mine at the time to come to me and basically remind me that that's not what it's about. Yes, numbers looks great in this setting and in this world, 
But in the kingdom of God, transformation matters more than the numbers. And so he reminded me that I needed to continue to pursue him to do so daily. Now, have I done that perfectly? No, I haven't. But I always look back at that beginning because it reminds me of where I started and where God has taken me from that point to now. That was 12 years ago, going on 13 years ago. And over the years, he's used me in different areas of ministries, all of which have been through encouragement of others that have helped me see that I can do those things. And so my hope is to be able to do the same thing for others, is to be able to help you and encourage you in the areas that God's gifted you in, to be able to use this gifting for his kingdom. Doesn't matter to me if you do it in this building or if you do it outside. Because uh, there's more people out there that needs Jesus than there are inside this building. And we can't always expect them all to come here. We have to be willing to go to them. And so if we're going to do ministry, if we're going to pursue people and do what God calls us to do, we kind of have to be flexible. And it's not always going to look traditional. But I hope that as we do those things that you'll be willing to partner up and join into that no matter what it looks like. It might look crazy. But I won't ever do something without God's approval. So as we pursue what it looks like to be a multi-ethnic church, to be multicultural, multi-generational, we have already different generations represented here in this, in this room, which means that we all have, you all have different experiences, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn from one another to grow as we move forward. Would you... Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for all you do. Thank you that we can call upon your name, that we can be in your presence, we can lay our worries, our burdens, everything at your feet, knowing that you hear us. We may not always get the answers that we desire immediately, but Father, we know that your timing works best. And sometimes you answer our prayers in ways that we don't even expect. And sometimes you answer our prayers that, in a way that we weren't prepared for. Help us to continue to devote ourselves to you, to devote ourselves to the gospel, to devote ourselves to pursuing a deeper relationship with you, but more so to be willing to be discipled, but as well as to be willing to disciple others, that we would not forget what it means to share our faith, to share our testimonies, to live out what you have done for us and what you can do through us. And God, I pray for if anybody 
If there's anybody that needs to know you today, if there's anybody that desires more of you, God, I pray that they not be ashamed, they not be afraid to, to call out to you. Because we all started at, at one point wanting and calling out to you, and you heard our call, you heard our cry, and you opened your arms and you welcomed us in. And even when we've made mistakes, you still continue to love us. When we ask you for forgiveness, you, can, you continue to forgive us, but not just that. It's, your word tells us that you wiped our slate clean as if we were just starting over. But we know, I know, God, that even though we, may, we come to a relationship with you and we accept Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, things are, don't automatically become easier. There are still challenges that we face. There are still things, there are still struggles that we will face. No matter if you're a new believer or if you've been a believer for a long time. But there is a peace that comes from knowing you that surpasses all understanding. That gives us a different view, a different perspective on our problems, different perspective on our struggles and issues that we go through on a daily -day basis. God, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share your word, to preach the gospel to your people, to give you glory, praise, and honor in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. Amen. Pray that you have a blessed day and a blessed week. Um, yeah, there's a reminder of announcements. We do have the ladies' meeting, which happens first Saturday of every month, and it is here in this building. So this coming Saturday, 10 a.m., 